0: some weird stuff for you today. We're going to lead off with Urban Meyer saying, I am not coaching again, and I told you he wasn't coaching again. Sparty was tracking planes, looking at restaurants, hearing Urban was in town. He's not coaching again, but we got some weird and sad stuff involving Antonio Brown and five-year NBA player Josh Jackson. Some weird stuff, but that's what we do. We give it to you straight. We give you what ESPN, NFL Network, even Fox can't give you right here. As Don't At Me starts right now. You know, Urban Meyer is a friend. In fact, yesterday we were texting about a golf game that we are playing in Naples, Florida in December to pay off a auction item from my golf outing a week ago. Or so, guess what was happening? You know what was happening. Michigan State was tracking Urban Meyer. Planes were flying in and out of Sarasota. Where the great coach lives, Michigan State fans were all aflutter. Could we get him? I told you the answer was no. Absolutely no. Hey, Shelly, you want to go to – no, I'm sorry. You want to go to East Lansing, Illinois? Urban, that's a truck stop. Yeah, it is. No chance. Look, Urban didn't want to go to Granger, Indiana, which is where Notre Dame football coaches live. They got boosters there that give you houses. They do. They literally do. Even assistant coaches in the little town of Granger get really nice houses. It's kind of Notre Dame, the neighborhood. Anyway, why would you want to go there at this point in your life? Man's damn near 60 years old, or maybe he is 60 years old. Who the hell wants to go to East Lansing and coach football with agents? And that's exactly what Urban said the other day. A lot of speculation, and rightfully so. The man's won three national championships. The man will get your program right. The man will do it the right way. There'll be some criticism by morons that are jealous, but who cares about that? What you care about in football is, is the guy going to do it the right way? The answer is going to be yes. What's the right way? Hard work, toughness, and you got to go to class and you got to do certain things right. Well, that's what he does. But Urban says, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Never really took a day off. Boy, is this right. You never really take a day off in college college coaching. And if you do, you always feel like something bad is going to happen. You always feel like, hey, look, this is going to go bad. We're not talking about Brock Purdy just yet. We're talking about him. That's right. And you never really relax as a college coach because you know you are one relaxation day from your three best players quitting. I'll never forget. I'm walking up for a golf outing. Uh, August 9th, whatever year it was, we were going to have a hella team. Everybody had been there for the entire summer working hard. Kids went home. One of my players said, hey, coach, I want to work at five-star camp. I said, call me Friday. He calls me Friday. There it is. I go, hey, I got you set. He goes, hey, coach, I'm not coming back. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, I'm transferring. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, he ends up at Ohio State. Name was Ron Lewis. Ron Lewis put Ohio State in the final four with a jump shot against uh, Xavier. He was a leading scorer in the NCAA tournament in 2007. I relaxed for one day. Well, Urban Meyer said, I'm good. I never really took a day off. And when I, people, when I say that, they scratch their head. No, he didn't. I didn't. I'm like, yeah, I never really took a day off. I had some health stuff going on. I became addicted to sleeping pills. I was just a maniac worker. Now, also, Shelly is like, let's go here. Let's go there. Let's do this. I have four grandkids. Let's do that. So the first year or so, it was kind of like wake up and feel like I wanted to coach a team, but no desire. So no, no desire. When you first get out of coaching, here's what happens. And I wonder if this is like every business. When you first get out of your business, let's call it that, there are certain days that trigger you. Mine was Sunday night. I'm talking about five years after being out of coaching. Sunday night, I would, at some point, it would click in my head, I got to set the week up. And then I would realize, no, I don't. No, I don't. And there would be such a relief. Uh, My wife, same thing. I think it was Monday for her or Saturday. I can't remember. You think, oh, man, we got to get ready. No, I don't. I'm telling you, and this doesn't mean that it's special. This doesn't mean that it's any different from anybody else's job. I'm not saying that. I'm just giving you insight into what coaching is. I was 365 days, 24 hours a day. I don't even think my players knew. I was when we lost, the depression was real. I've talked about having to, well, sleep on the floor when we lost. Couldn't sleep in a bed because I couldn't get my head off the pillow. I've talked about waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and that's it. You're awake for the rest of the day because all of a sudden it hits you. I was never smart enough, frankly, to take sleeping pills. I was never smart enough to take antidepressants. I wasn't. I just dealt with it. I didn't know about those things. I didn't like taking pills that made me groggy. I didn't like it at all. So I didn't do it. And in Urban's case, see, here's the difference. In Urban's case, he has no unfinished business. I guess he could make up in his mind that he has unfinished business in the NFL, but that's just in his mind. For me, unfinished business, my goal was simply this, get Bowling Green into the NCAA tournament. It was fanatical for me. It was insane for me. And I didn't get it done. Came close. Came very close three different times, but when you lose your three best players uh, five of your ten years, you really got no shot. You're two best seven out of ten years. Now, people think that's an excuse, and you can say that fine, but that's actually a reason. You can't go about the business of winning basketball games when your three best players or your two best players are out for the year. You just can't. But that, fine, all right, whatever. Nobody cares about that, and I don't either. The bottom line is I got unfinished business, Urban doesn't, so he can sleep peacefully knowing that his college football career as a coach was great. I have to, well, what's the right word? I've got to figure it out in my mind. But Urban shouldn't coach. There's no reason to coach. Does he need the money? Hell no. Does he need? Now here's the other part of it. Here's the other part. It has never been harder. I'm telling you right now. It is part of the reason I have no desire to go back into it. It is really, really hard. Every coach, every player has an agent. Think about that. Remember those days? Maybe a coordinator every once in a while had an agent. Nothing wrong with agents. They're great. But when I'm the head coach having to deal with a high school player that says meet with my agent first, I'm going to, I am going to, I want to meet with your family because you are talking about recruiting and other stuff. Look, college basketball has always been my guy. Who's this guy? That's what you always said. Who's this guy? College football, well, it never really was like that. College football, you know, maybe Percy Harvin or a guy that was uber, 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 top of the shelf, had a guy. But in football, or excuse me, in basketball, there was always a guy, an AAU guy. Even Brad Stevens, he doesn't remember this, but he came up to me when he was like the 20th assistant AAU coach selling me on a guy named Dylan. And I'm like, oh, okay. Dylan? whatever his name was, ended up playing at Purdue, I think. But everybody had a guy, or everybody was a guy. I was never anybody's guy. I guess I was when I was an AAU coach, and I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to be anybody's guy. You want to recruit my son? There he is. You want to recruit that kid? There he is. You want to recruit that kid? But Urban Meyer talking about having to walk into someone's house and deal with an agent is exactly right. I mean, couldn't be more right. Imagine having to walk into some 18- to 22-year-old's house and, well, actually, probably 16- to 18-year-old's house, and you're Urban Meyer or you're Nick Saban, and you've had all this success, and some little smug punk tells you, yeah, talk to my agent. I'd lift a cheek, fart on his couch, and walk away and wave it at the family. Here you go. Agent this. I wonder how many of these guys, I'm sure in football there's a lot. I wonder how many of these guys that actually have agents are uber successful. See, in basketball... All you got to do is go through the history of the McDonald's All-American. The McDonald's All-American team going back years was a bunch of guys that were really good, but a bunch of guys that never made it nothing. Nothing. And I don't know. To me, it's probably the same in football. So Michigan State fans, there's not a chance in hell anybody that cares about anything other than money is coming to your place to coach. The town is a cesspool. The place has morons. They spew hate publicly. Don't at me. Get out of here. Crawl back in your hole. Urban Meyer is not coming. And good for him. He will be playing golf sometime between the 13th and 18th at, the old, at Old Florida Country Club. He and I will whoop two of my buddies on a two-day little excursion, and then we'll drink wine, and we'll laugh, and we'll make our wives shake their heads and go, oh, geez, you two give me a headache. Anyway, that's the way it goes. Sad news in a continuing saga, and sad news in a guy who really had no chance from the start, Antonio Brown. He's first. Josh Jackson is the guy who had no chance. He's second. Antonio Brown, we know the saga of Antonio Brown. All of the stupidity, all of the idiocy, running off the field in the middle, taking his shirt off, exposing tweets where he thought he was going to make Tom Brady look bad, but it made Tom Brady look great. Not kind of good, but great. Well, Antonio Brown got arrested the other day. Why did Antonio Brown get arrested? Funny you ask that, let me tell you. Antonio Brown in another of a crazy saga got arrested for failing to pay child support. He got arrested in Broward County, which is in Florida. He got released on a $15,000 bond. He owes $31,000 to his baby mama. Baby mamas are expensive, man. I don't know how you guys do it. Some guys got two and three baby mamas. I saw the other day two guys were standing, one on this side, one on this side of a pregnant woman. She didn't know whose baby it was, and they were putting things out on Instagram. The world is crazy. Can you put that tweet back up, please? So anyway, Antonio Brown owes 31K. This Justin, former NFL star Antonio Brown was arrested over the weekend in Broward County for allegedly failing to pay child support to the mother of one of his children. There is the mugshot. You know, I've told you this before. I'll tell you it again, and I will not stop telling you. It's always the same people. You can close your eyes and somebody tell you, hey, a former NFL player got arrested. Oh, Antonio Brown. Like clockwork. So this guy who has a series of just really stupid, Stupid, stupid movements, stupid unhinged actions, does himself another solid and gets arrested. Now, here's the deal. These NFL players, I'm telling you, man, these former NFL players, a day doesn't go by. A day doesn't go by where they're not a pox on society, getting arrested, beating somebody up, not paying baby mamas. There's not a day. I mean, these people are are like, I don't know. (laughs) They drag us down. They're amusing. They give us content. But between NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting some kind of crime that these clowns have committed. And it's really sad. It really is. Because when you look at Antonio Brown, we all know how this is going to end. It's going to end one of two ways. Antonio Brown doing something incredibly stupid and going to jail for, a, for a, a, I don't know, about a long time, but a reasonable amount of time. Or he's going to continue to do these little stupid things, a.k.a. Pac-Man Jones. And then when he's 60, I'll be dead by then. But you all got to listen to how, well, you know, I made mistakes and blah, 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 blah. I mean, we've heard it all the time. How about don't be an idiot during the time when you, quote, are making all these mistakes. How about don't be a damn fool every time a situation comes up where you got an option of being a damn fool or doing the right thing. You got your penis. You put your penis in a woman. It produced a baby. You're not marrying the woman because you're a dirtbag, and you got women everywhere. You got a lot of money. paid a woman. It's easy. Hey, I pay child support. It's not like you don't know how much and when you got to pay it, but this is the world we live in. And these are the people that are out there. NFL players, baby. They're fantastic. They give us content. The former NFL player, I'm telling you, there'll be another one tomorrow. We should have former player moment every show. Speaking of former player, now this is former player. This is just weird. Now, you've got to understand about Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson was a highly recruited kid out of Michigan. And Josh Jackson had the worst people around him. Josh Jackson's mother, I don't know, she wasn't one of the worst people. But he had all these guys around. I remember a friend of mine telling me, yeah, you know, I'm really involved with Josh Jackson. I remember thinking I wouldn't let this dude be involved with my cat. But this guy had all these people around him, and he was going to be the next big thing. See, you got to understand in Michigan, there's a level of stupidity in and around the Detroit, Flint, Saginaw, the whole area. Everybody's the next big thing. I remember at an AAU event, there was a kid named Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson could fly. Josh Richardson was a good player. Josh Richardson became a nice NBA player for a lot of teams and a really smart dude by all accounts, and a good dude. I'm sitting there with Stan Heath then the assistant coach at Michigan State, and he's telling me how this is the next Michael Jordan. I'm like, yeah, okay. No, really, you don't understand. I go, no, I don't understand. Because a guy that can jump or shoot jump shots isn't the next Michael Jordan. He's got to be a guy that can jump Shoot jump shots, has the toughest brain in the world, is smarter than anybody, then you might get the next Michael Jordan. Until that happens, we ain't gonna see the next Michael Jordan, but I digress. Josh Jacob or Josh Jackson was the next guy in line for these idiots. So all these idiots line up. And you got to understand that's exactly what they are. You get the fellas in basketball from Detroit, there's no one dumber, no one whinier, no one that will backstab each other more. We used to laugh when we were in the MAC. Everybody wants a Detroit guy as an assistant coach until they get a Detroit guy that's an assistant coach. And then they're like, get this guy out of here. Everybody wants a Detroit basketball player on their team in the MAC until they get a Detroit basketball player on their team in the MAC, and they're like, get this whiny out of here. Get this guy. He whines. He bitches, He moans. He's got all these people. Get him out of here. Well, Josh Jackson was the next guy, and this is scary. So I'm going to try to walk you through this, but this is hard. Doe, which is the lady's name, went home. She was at a party with Josh Jackson, basketball player, a lot of dudes. Andre Drummond's party because, well, you're not really an NBA guy if you don't host a party. Anyway, Doe went home, the lady, but shortly after received a text message from Jackson offering her $1,500 to come and see him, according to this suit filed by Jane Doe. She told her attorney she didn't accept the $1,500. But when Jackson sent her an Uber so she could get to where she was, she took it, saying she thought the party was still happening, that there was no party. Doe alleges Jackson was alone and said she told him that she was not there for sex and wasn't a gold digger when he tried to impress her. After an evening of drinking, Doe eventually fell asleep on the bed Facing away from Jackson. So she's on the bed with Jackson. However, she says when she woke up after Jackson allegedly ripped open her clothes and raped her, she cried for him to stop, eventually passed out from the trauma, confusion, and horror of the rape. Doe ran out of the room the next morning and bought an emergency contraception pill before returning to her apartment. A short time later, she began getting threatening messages from several unknown phone numbers accusing her of stealing a watch and claiming they know where she lived. While in the middle of a nap later that day, she heard the sound of her locked front door opening and was suddenly confronted by two hoodie-wearing women. women. One holding what appeared to be a gun who threatened her with murder. The women were tackled by building security and arrested by New York PD. Doe alleged that Jackson orchestrated the robbery. Wow. There's a ton there. Look, I don't get it. Hey, look, if Jackson did the assault stuff, then, hey, man, go to jail. If that's what you're about, a passed out woman on your bed, then you got to go to jail. Then you got to pay a price. You can't be doing that. That's stupid. That's idiotic. What are you doing? There's a lot to unpack here. Two women then come in OJ style into her room, threaten her with a gun, and then they get tackled by the security guard. Two women get tackled by security, and then the cops come. This woman gets offered $1,500 to come over and have the sex, and she jumps in a cab but says, I wasn't there to have sex. There's a lot to unpack here. But the worst part, obviously is that this woman, you know, I got to be careful here. Let's be honest. I got to be careful here because I've been taught a number of things by my sister, who, as I've told you, is a domestic violence prosecutor, was retired 25 years in the great state of Indiana, Monroe County, IU, where a lot of athletes have a lot of entitlement. So I'm going to be very careful here with what I say. But there's a lot in here that I just simply don't believe. It's not up to me to believe. We're going to follow this story, and we're going to see where it takes us as the weeks come because there's a lot here where you go, wait a second. You got in the cab. Wait a second, Jackson. You're assaulting a woman while I. and I don't, blame, I don't doubt for a second, really any of it, until it's proven not to be true. We shall see. But it's just very, very weird, and I am going to keep my mouth shut for once in my life. Because ah, this thing just, I, I don't know how you all look at it, but this thing just seems way, way, way too weird. And my guess is we got a lot more coming to this story. You know, I said this next thing, and I don't know why people are so afraid to make comparisons. When I saw Brock Purdy play, I thought to myself, huh, reminds me of Tom Brady. Now, I know what you're going to say. Oh, white guy, playing quarterback, manager of the team, won all his games. Does not make him Tom Brady, Dan? And I'm going to say, shut up, racist. Has nothing to do with being white. Has nothing to do with anything other than I think I did and I do. I thought Tom Brady was always the best thrower of the football. You can talk about Peyton Manning, but Peyton Manning looked like it took his entire body to make a throw. I thought Tom Brady threw the football better than anybody that I have seen play quarterback except Dan Marino. Never seen anybody release it as quick as Marino, float it if he needed to, fire it if he had to, touch on it to the side, that he whatever. He could make every throw every time in every situation under any kind of duress. That's how I looked at Dan Marino. Then I saw Tom Brady. And Tom Brady could sling the caca. Tom Brady put it on a dime. You want a ball in here, Tom Brady will drop it in. You want a ball in here, Tom Brady will fire it in. You got a guy in a little swing pass, Tom Brady will put it with touch out in front of him. Rarely did Tom Brady get a guy killed in the middle of the field. Well, Joe Staley, who is a legendary lineman for the 49ers, he sees the same thing. And here's what he says, and I don't understand this either. People like to stay away from the comparison of Brady and Brock Purdy because of what Tom ended up becoming for the NFL. Those are huge shoes to fill, but they're very similar. If you look at the makeup and the track that got there and getting their opportunity and not letting go of it. Well, let's go through that real quick. Now, what he's saying is, look, they were both late round picks They certainly both did not come in as a starter. They were both third probably on a depth chart, right? I mean, last year you had Garoppolo, then you had Trey Lance, and then you had Purdy. You know, I don't think Brady was ever third. I could be wrong about that, but you had Drew Bledsoe, who had just been signed to a monster deal, and Tom was sitting there. So, yes, late-round pick, not first Not the first choice of the coach. I get that. It goes further. When you pair an offensive mind like Kyle Shanahan with the offensive weapons and a quarterback that is also on the same page mentally, you are seeing what that can be. I think people take away from Brock because he doesn't have the arm strength of Josh Allen. He won't have the wild plays, but he is incredibly accurate and a quick processor. Well, people say you got to be able to process. Now, processing means this three or four things, as told to me by NFL guys. First, you got to understand the play, because if you don't understand the play, then you cannot execute the play. What does that mean? Play comes in, a lot of elements to the play. Well, you got to understand what's real in the play. What am I looking for first, second, or third? Then you got to understand what the coverages are when you come to the line. This is all a process. Then, if you stay in the play, you've got to understand what the defense is doing relative to what the play calls for. And maybe the first look is to go down the sideline to the right. But you see, that's going to be taken away. So you got to process. What's second? Maybe a tight end over the middle. Then you got to process what would be third, a swing pass, whatever. That's processing. It doesn't mean you're dumb if you don't. It doesn't. Hell no. I mean, if you listen to what an NFL call is, it's like you got to be a nuclear scientist to figure the whole deal out. It's exhausting. So that's first. You get to the line. Now you got. Now you got the coverages. Now you got the play. Now you got where you think you're going to go. Guess what happens? Defense shifts, they were cu- They were camouflaging, going to a new thing. You got to process that. Then you got to process, figure out with your center or your captain on the offensive line, the protections. Now, all this has to happen in about 25 seconds, period. Then you got to, you know that tap of the foot? You got to move people. There's a lot going on here for a quarterback. And to find a guy that can make all of this look simple, particularly in their second year, is unique. It's why rookies struggle. Rookies don't struggle in the NFL because they don't have the arm or because they suddenly have to throw it in the tight windows that they couldn't in college. That is is a little, the tight windows thing has a little bit to do with it. But the fact of the matter is rookies struggle because they get fooled. They get fooled by the defense. They get fooled by their own play. Where am I supposed to go? Well, I'm not experienced enough, so I'm going to go either here or here. Well, guess what? The defense shifted. Now here or here isn't available. That's when you force things in. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is when you got a problem. Well, I don't know about you, but it was probably good for Tom Brady to sit and watch for a little bit. Wasn't like he had to come in. He got to watch. And when you're the backup, guess what? It's like being an assistant coach. You got all the answers. I would have done this. Well, one of the reasons you have all the answers is because you have time to sit there and think about the question. You got a long time to sit there and think about the question. So I see what Joe Staley sees. I see a guy that can sling the caca. Hey, I'm not saying he's got the strongest arm in the world. Tom Brady had a really strong arm. People kissed my backside saying he didn't have a really strong arm. Tom Brady's arm was a howitzer. Tom Brady could get rid of that ball. He stood up strong, and his ball was very catchable. His ball spun. As we say in the business, he can spin it, baby. That's right. And I'm not mad at Brock Purdy for this comparison. I think this comparison is absolutely on point. And I don't know how anybody would be arguing with that comparison. All you got to do is watch. I mean, all you got to do, watch him and watch Baker Mayfield, different dudes. Watch him, watch Lamar Jackson, different dudes. Watch Anthony Richardson uh, and, and Brock Purdy, different dudes. Doesn't mean one's better than the other. Doesn't mean that at all. It just means there's a lot of ways to go about the business of winning games in the NFL. And there's a lot of ways to go about being a quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is very unique because Patrick Mahomes, if you really watch Mahomes, have you ever seen anybody, anybody, maybe Josh Allen to a degree, that escapes things with the ball right here? He is moving, he's escaping, and he has the ball in ready-aim-fire position. Allen did it the other day, and he hit the tight end from Bowling Green right in the middle running to his right and just whipped it because his arm was ready. If you got to bring an arm from here to here and fire, that's too slow. NFL players are too fast, too athletic, too instinctive. But I'll go, I'm down with you, Brock Purdy. I see what you're doing, and I'm down with what you're saying to me. I am. I'm down with what you're saying to me, Joe Staley. You ain't wrong. Good comparison. Solid. I ain't afraid to make that comparison this early. we Todd Brady's got six rings, man, seven Super Bowls. You can't make that comparison. I just did. And I'll continue. So sue me. Sue me like you do me. Bing, bang, a bong. Do me a favor. Uh, like our show on the YouTube chat. And if you're watching on OutKick, subscribe to OutKick. All right, numeral four, last night. So last night the call came in, and I want you to listen to this. I'm on a heater unlike any heater I have been on since the NCAA tournament in 2017 when I was at Bristol. That heater was legendary. That heater made everybody money sitting around in what is kind of like a conference room laying on couches watching NCAA tournament games, getting ready for the next hit. That one I just gave everybody overs and unders and winners it was like I was a I was a damn ATM spitting cash to people but now I'm on the same heater but I'm getting help one of my boys Sack not Johnny Sack but anyway Sack you remember Johnny Sack from the Sopranos anyway my man Sack I'm not giving you his full name he makes and I'm being literal here 500 to a million dollars a year sports betting so we're playing golf and I'm like, "Hey, yo, you got to give me a little something something. Give me a taste on the weekends." So he we started to. Last night the call came in. Hey, I'm going heavy. Heavy on his points bet account. Heavy. Dallas money line. That's right. Dallas money line. And I when I went to look at it, I'm like, "Well, this isn't too bad." I know the game was in San Diego or L.A., I know that the Chargers are supposed to be good. I know that people are telling me the Chargers are good, but this is the kind of game that Dallas bounces back. So what did I do? I'm going to be honest with you. I will. When my man Sack says he's going heavy on the Dallas Cowboys, that means he's betting somewhere between thirty-five dollars to $50,000 on the game. When I say I'm going heavy on a game, that means I'm going more than $100. We're not quite the same. I don't have the sack of my man's sack to go, you know, money that, oh, man, I got to go door dashing again. No. So I put a grand on it. I did. Because in sack, I trust. So I put a grand on it. And guess what? It was exhilarating. But here's the problem. I know the pitfalls of gambling. I put a grand to win 1800 which means I had an $800 profit which ain't bad for a few hours of football. But here's the deal with that. I know the pitfalls. It was fun because I was playing with house money. It was fun to watch the game. It was fun to wake up knowing that, hey, not only did you win, for me, a substantial amount of cash, but you won. And remember, I don't have that many things that I can compete in in this world. I just don't. That's why I'll bet you in golf as long as it's fair. And occasionally I'll make the bet that I believe it. long story short. I thought maybe I'm wrong. I think you can have Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert, my ass, Justin Herbert is inaccurate. Justin Herbert misses wide open receivers. If Justin Herbert could throw the ball like Brock Purdy, put it in here, put it with actually, you don't even have to put it in here. He had wide open guys, three different occasions that were going to have basically walk-in touchdowns, and he missed them from here to the lake out there. And I've said this before, and I'll say this again. Uh, In fact, my boy Sack just texted me. Uh, That was fun. I'm saying I'm talking about you now on my show. But anyway, uh, long story short, Brock Pur. or excuse me, You can have Justin Herbert. See, (sighs) Justin Herbert is the guy that looks pretty. Justin Herbert is the guy that you say, well, what a nice guy. He's got great hair. He's always doing that. Okay, he's always doing that. And everybody likes him. He's the next big thing because he can sling it. He got his chance when Tyrod Taylor got a punctured lung by the doctor. He didn't give it up. All the things. He's in L.A. All the things that people like. But every time I watch Justin Herbert, he, ladies and gentlemen, gives me gas. He just does. And last night was one of those nights that he did not give me gas. He exhilarated me because I would watch the quarterback, him drop back, I would see the ball, then they show the receiver, he's open from me to that wall, and Herbert couldn't hit him. He couldn't hit him. And he couldn't hit him three different times. And I got to tell you, I'm the happiest guy in America because he couldn't hit him. Now, I wasn't going to lose more money than I could afford. I don't do that. I did it – well, it wasn't more than I could afford, but I lost one time – And it made me uncomfortable, so I started door dashing to pay my family off. And, of course, every little slap now makes fun of me for door dashing. But that's fine. Who cares? Long story short, they came through. They being the Dallas Cowboys. I'm also going to tell you, I know y'all are mad at Dak Prescott, and you can be mad at Dak Prescott, but it was really my first time all year watching the Dallas Cowboys play, like watching them from pillar to post. And I got to tell you, I ain't mad at Dak Prescott. I'm not. You guys can be mad at Dak Prescott. I don't think Dak Prescott's horrible. In fact, he was 21 of 30, 272 yards, one touchdown. He ran the ball seven times for 40 yards for a touchdown. C.D. Lamb was really good, seven catches, 117 yards. I don't know. I'm not saying they look great, but I'm saying they look like a pretty good football team. I mean, people get out of there. People lose their damn mind. Dallas Cowboys, look, they got no running game. Tony Pollard looked horrible, 15 carries, 30 yards. But I'll take take Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb as my receivers. I will. I don't know what to tell you. Justin Herbert missed on 15 of 37 passes for 227 yards, Uh, got sacked through an interception. I don't know. Hell, Dak Prescott got sacked five times. But here's the deal. Stop with the penalties. NFL officials, look, I know most of you were diversity hires. We all know this. It's like America's not very big secret. You're a diversity hire. We get it. They got rid of older, experienced men, both black and white. They got to hire women. They got to hire young African-Americans of no experience. I understand you're incompetent based on what used to be in the NFL. But you don't have to throw a damn flag Every time you get hot in the crotch, every time, you don't have to throw a flag just because you think it's time to throw a flag. And coaches, let me go the other way. Coaches, can you coach better so that they don't have to throw flags every play? This hooking by the offensive line has got to stop. Show your hand. Move your feet. Move your fat ass dance, do something, take ballet. I don't care, but sheesh. Tina Guzman says Dak isn't going to take them to the promised land. They have a decent D, but Dak is all that I whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Ruel Miller, one of our OGs of the YouTube chat, says that the Dallas Cowboys haven't beaten a team with a winning record. Look, You can only do what you can do. (sighs) Leonard Arnold says, no zebras with ponytails. I got to tell you, that's a dream, but it ain't happening because we got to have as much diversity as we can. So much laundry, so many flags. It gave me a damn headache. I don't know about you, but it gave me a damn headache. Every single time I looked around, I had to see flags. Flag, flag, stop it, stupid, with the flags. Jeez. Uh, Last thing before uh, we we get Danny Z on, uh, here's the deal. It's crumbling all around Bill Belichick. You can get mad, you can get glad, you can get angry, you can get sad. But when former players are starting to talk about you on national TV, your former players, then you got a problem. Look, my former players are mad sometimes because I was too mean to them, because I made them work too hard. Belichick's former players have always been insanely loyal. Insanely. He's taken massive heat from guys like Teddy Bruski, Adam Butler. He felt disrespected, Adam Butler did, by the post-game snub from Bill Belichick. Everybody's got a respect thing. Hey, look, we lost. I don't want to talk to you. We lost. I don't want to talk to nobody. We lost. I don't even want to talk to my kids, my dog. I want to kick my dog. I want to talk to my wife. You know what I want to do? I want to go sulk. I want to go in a room, used to be in a room, put a dip in and sulk for about 20 minutes, and then I'll become a moderately close to being a human being. It did make me upset that Bill didn't even have the respect to say anything to me after the game. Not even congratulate me. Tell me you look good or you don't look good. Kiss my blank. Something. He didn't say anything. Kind of felt disrespected. Made me feel bad. I know Coach Belichick has bigger things to worry about. They're going through a tough time, but I mean, geez, wave something, but nothing. Oh, shut up. Is there any more sensitive group than the former NFL player? The former NFL player just whines. He didn't wave. He didn't say nothing to me. He just got his ass beat. He's sitting there one in five. He probably don't even know who you are. You had a helmet most times when he coached you. Shut up. Like these former players, Steve Smith whining about uh, the wide receiver Jude, Rodney Harrison calling people. The former NFL player is a little bitch. That's all they are. I'm telling you, that's all they are. You see them on TV, they're just a little bitch. To start the game with two penalties on offense, to finish the game with three penalties, that's a sign that Bill isn't reaching these guys. That's Teddy Bruschi. Well, guess what, Teddy? That's Coach Belichick to you. So what? That's not Belichick's fault. Belichick is preaching a message. But the problem Belichick has, frankly, is that he is the grocery shopper and he's the cook. And guess what? They got a horse bleep meal. We'll be right back.
1: Danny Z next. Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At Outkick, find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at outkick.com slash bet.
0: Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. You know, on this show, we rarely are outspoken. On this show, we rarely have opinions. That's why we bring Danny Z in, because we don't have the sack to give opinions on our own. We're very milk toast on this show. Our friend Danny Z, all right, you and I were talking off-air. You made an interesting comment. Justin Herbert, uh, he's protected because immediately people jump on his coach, Brandon Staley, no? 100%.
1: It's,
2: it's funny because everyone always talks about how – Staley is wasting Justin Herbert, and Justin Herbert's got all this talent around him, but it's not his fault because his coach is terrible. My argument is, is he's in a great situation. No one ever looks at him. No one ever goes, hey, he didn't play that great because they just go, it's Brandon Staley's fault. He's a terrible coach. There's nothing Justin Herbert could do. I mean, Herbert played badly last night. There's there's really no two ways about it. He, he didn't play well. The two throws he missed to Keenan Allen were terrible, like throws that Justin Fields makes. And that scramble on the last drive when they had first and five for two yards, there's just no need to do that. You need to keep that play alive, try to get the ball downfield, maybe throw the ball away, save the time. Just a a horrible decision. And the other thing is, look, I like Justin Herbert. I think he's very talented, but I started digging into it a little bit because me, like anyone else, I can get sucked into the narratives of, okay, he's great and it's not his fault. Herbert has 16 of his career interceptions, 37 career interceptions, are in the fourth quarter. More than half of his interceptions in his career, actually almost double, are in the second half versus the first half. His completion percentage is 5% 5 lower in the second half. His passer rating is 15 points lower in the second half. If you want to talk about players who aren't clutch, and we do that a lot in sports, we love to talk about the clutch gene, Herbert's fourth quarter stats are
0: bad, Dan. They're bad. They're horrible. Like, right, here's a – how do I put this? When they had a chance late, there are some guys that you're like – this is why I never bet against Brady or Manning. When you bet against them, you knew the eventual was coming. Aaron Rodgers late in the game, in Lambeau, you knew he was going to kick your ass late. Maybe they're down six, and you got him on the – you got the other team on the – or you got him on the money line, and he's just going to crush your soul. I felt last night I was going to see an interception late, and sure enough, Stephen Gilmore goes and gets an interception late. That It's just it's not an external stat thing with me. It's a feel of a quarterback thing with me, if that makes any sense. It is. Let me ask you this.
2: Were you watching closely enough to see when he was like kind of – because you always have takes on these kind of things, so I'd be interested if you saw this, when he was kind of rallying the troops. And he basically just like went up to each guy and like gave him a little tap on the shoulder. He was like, let's go. Let's go. But it was the most passive – I, I, I thought about you when I thought it because I remember you had the strong take on Brandon Staley picking up the helmet. I was like, I bet Dan has thoughts on Herbert trying to rally the troops by simply
0: tapping him on the shoulder and being like,
2: hey, man, we should try to win this game. Let's try to win the game.
0: I saw it, because that's what I watch. I watch all that stuff, and the, he, he – he, how do I put this right? He doesn't have the same cachet with his team that he should have Given um, his talent, he's the starting quarterback and, frankly, the publicity that he's received. Like, I said this, Danny, about the Colts when they were looking for a quarterback uh, the next year after Andrew Luck. I said, look, I don't know whether Tom Brady can play or not, but you bring Tom Brady in because the entire building gets elevated. Everybody stands up straighter. Whether you think Brady – everybody has to come to his level. And there are certain guys, Aaron Rodgers, if you watch Hard Knocks, you saw that. There are certain guys that have that. Herbert, when I saw what you're bringing up, absolutely does not have that in his own building. He's got guys that are like thinking, yeah, you're full of shit. Or maybe not even that strong, but that kind of thing, Danny.
2: No, I totally, I thought the same thing when I saw it. I was like, man, that's just not, you're right. If Tom Brady is rallying the troops before a two-minute drive, like those dudes are looking at him like, we're going to win. I mean, there's no question I did not get that vibe from the Chargers sideline. I didn't get the vibe from Herbert. It looked kind of forced like oh uh, what would what would a quarterback do in this situation? oh, I know I would go up to each of my teammates and say hey, we're gonna win this game like that it looked almost like an act. I don't know I I I was disappointed in Herbert and I was disappointed in how what you're talking about because I, I agree with you I look at a lot of that stuff. I look at a guy like Josh Allen who gets a lot of criticism, but those dudes believe in that guy. You can see it the right? way they run down the field when he when he scrambles for 10 yards his center sprints down the field to help him off the ground like those guys rally around that kid. He makes mistakes too, he turns the ball over and we never stop talking about it. Josh Allen throws an interception, we talk about it for weeks. We're still talking about him being a turnover machine. I never hear Herbert's interceptions get brought up. In fact, when somebody I think I saw it on Twitter last night like Herbert throws a lot of fourth quarter interceptions, I was like, "Does he?" No one ever talks about it. I had to go look it up. I was like, oh my God, he does. It feels like something that would be brought up by the media like once or twice. Never, never.
0: Would you agree, like, Herbert is totally on the right side of the media. Josh Allen's not on the wrong side, but he's kind of in the middle because I feel like Well, I go back to game one this year when he struggled. God dang, dudes couldn't wait to bury him. I mean, like the dude had never played before, and then he becomes the best quarterback over the next few weeks, and then they lose a game or two, and everybody's nuts. I feel like Allen's in the middle. Herbert's on the absolute right side of the media, and I feel like Dak Prescott really can do no right. Yeah,
2: I I think some of it has to do with just the situations that they're in. Um, The Chargers have just always sort of been a bit of a laughing stock, So I think people just feel sorry for anyone who's with the Chargers. Like I said, he's shielded by a head coach who takes all the criticism. Uh, Herbert's not particularly outspoken. Like you never really hear him in the media. So you can't really take umbrage with anything he says on a personal level because he never says anything on a personal level. He doesn't say anything. So I think that helps him. You know, Dak Prescott, he's the Cowboys quarterback. I mean, that's just a beacon for criticism, no matter who it is. This idea that that it might be racial in any way. Tony Romo, we have a love for Tony Romo all of a sudden. He was despised when he was the Cowboys quarterback. There was nonstop talk about how he couldn't win the big game and he couldn't make the big throws. I mean, that comes with being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. So I, I think that has everything to do with it. And Josh Allen's just set the bar so high for himself. The Buffalo Bills are... A team that's been in competition, he's considered to be on the level with Patrick Mahomes, and he's not Patrick Mahomes. But no one is. So it's just that the bar is almost – his bar for himself is almost too high, and it's almost – it's, like, impossible to reach. I think that's why he gets criticized.
0: No, I agree with you, and you're right about the whole Cowboys thing. I mean, look – Seth Greenberg came on my show. We were talking basketball about six, eight weeks after the season was over, I think, last year. And he said, I, I said, hey, man, how's he, things going on, on at ESPN? He goes, well, the Cowboys haven't played in six, eight weeks, and I think today we talked about McCarthy getting fired and Prescott should be cut. You know, you know what I mean? So it's one of those deals where you just kind of laugh. And, uh, yeah, it, it, you're right. It does. It absolutely does come with being the Cowboys guy. There's no question about it. No, there's no question. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't shot in the ass with the Eagles the other day. I want to be shot in the ass with the Eagles. Like, I want a team to go undefeated for a while. Nobody goes undefeated. 72s since then. I wasn't all that shot in the ass with the 49ers. And the Bills, I mean, these three teams are good. All right. Okay. But I don't know. How good are they? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Danny Z froze. Uh Uh-oh. Well, I'm going to tell you how good they are. First, the 49ers losing was inevitable. Brock Purdy having a day was inevitable. Now, you make a kick, Jake Moody, a third-round pick, you make a kick, and guess what? Boom! Boom! You win, and no one's talking about this. You know what I mean? The deal is simple. If you are the 49ers, you know that Brock Purdy is your guy. There's no debate, and we got to play better around him. But we also got to make a kick from a third-round picker. If you're the Eagles, it's the same thing. If you're the Eagles, then we know Jalen Hurts is the guy. There's no debating this. There's nothing in the water. There's nothing wrong. You just simply got beat, and that is going to happen. And I'll give Robert Sala credit. I will always give a man credit when they decide that their team has been through some ish, we lost our quarterback, four plays in, we're going to this guy, Zach Wilson, who's clearly on the wrong side of the media, but Salah gives it back by saying, well, they ain't 12-0 no more against us after that win the other day against the Eagles. He literally is not afraid to give it back. Now I'm not the biggest Robert Sala guy. But I got to tell you, I like him. I like him now. I like when coaches aren't afraid. I like when coaches will stand up. I like when coaches got a little something-something to them. And I didn't think Salah had a little something-something to him, frankly. I thought Salah had nothing to him. I thought he was like, I don't know, when you're reading off a teleprompter, which he was in Hard Knocks, and when addressing your team, you're like, what are you doing? Like, you, you don't have passion enough? Well... I'm not counting out, and I know Mike Greenberg said this, and I'm not not counting out the Jets, and I'm certainly not counting out the Eagles. Now, the Bills are interesting. The Bills, I don't believe in this, but I might start. The Bills might have a little last-year hangover. That loss last year in the playoffs, I got to tell you, I think it is coming. I I, I I think there's a little bit of a doubt. There's a little bit of a hangover. Now, I would not say that the Bills are going to go to the Super Bowl. I don't think, and I told you this before. I told you this, okay? I told you when they had that match, Josh Allen, who was it? Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen was like the little brother. I remember I told you this last year. I did not like his eyes to win big. You all said I was crazy. I ain't crazy. This is the stuff I watch. This is more important. And I'm watching Josh Allen, really talented, really good. Team does believe in him. But I'm telling you, there's something about him, about him, That makes people not believe. They were awful against the Giants. He was no good against the Giants. And they're going to win 10, 12 games. But they're never going to get past Mahomes. Now, that's a stupid thing to say. That's a really dumb thing to say. Never is dumb. Don't say never. I will be shocked if they get past Patrick Mahomes. I will be shocked if Josh Allen leads his team to a Super Bowl unless... It's five years from now, and he has grown up. And it all stems, and you're going to think this is nuts, and that's cool. It all stems from that golf match, watching him around others, watching him and how his eyes were about others. He looked like a kid, a little brother. The other three, Brady and Rodgers and Mahomes, looked confident. They looked like the older kids in the neighborhood. And Allen looked like me. When I was a little kid and Joey and Bobby Mullen and my brother and Joe Zarinich and Johnny Stroya and all the neighborhood kids got together and I was just hoping to be picked. And then, of course, I would dominate. But, that, hey, you know, that's just me being older and remembering things weird. But I'm not going to buy into it. Now you got pretty easy schedule. You go to the Patriots who stink and then you got the Buccaneers at home. So they'll win those two games before they go into the Bengals. But I trust Mahomes. You're not going to buy this. I'm just telling you. I trust Lamar Jackson. I trust Burrow more than I trust Josh Allen to win games. I'm talking about in the AFC. I certainly don't trust Justin Herbert more. I certainly don't trust Mac Jones more. I certainly don't trust Kenny Pickett more. I don't trust uh, Russell Wilson more. I don't trust ha- uh, Jack- Zach Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, whoever's quarterback quarterbacking uh, Las-, Las Vegas. So there's only a few that I don't trust. But to be great, you got to get past those guys. And I just don't see it happening. Hey, Danny Z, we lost your back. I just went on a deal where I love Josh Allen, and nobody's going to believe this, probably mostly you, but when I saw him in that golf match against Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Brady, I said on this show, uh uh-uh, he's like the little brother. The eyes don't lie, Danny Z. I love him. Uh, He's good enough, but he ain't going to get past Mahomes or Burrow or Lamar Jackson when it comes to uh -uh, crunching time, Danny Z.
2: That's insane. You're insane. I am insane,
0: and I'm always right when I say these <laughs> I mean, things. You always. You, you watch. Take, you watch. You can't take. I know you say you, you can't. You cannot do it. I'm always right.
2: I'm Never wrong in a, golf ma- in
0: a In a celebrity golf match? Yeah. He looked like the little brother. And these are the guys he's got to beat. Like, he's got to beat Rodgers if he's healthy. He's got to beat Mahomes. And the difference in those guys relative to Josh Allen was like an older brother and a younger brother – who, yeah, really talented younger brother, but it ain't happening for him. I'll eat crow on this show. I'll do a show naked for crying out loud if it happens, but it ain't happening.
2: No. I like Buffalo a lot. No. Here. If they don't do it this year, I think you might be right. I'll, I'll be willing to concede if it's not this year because Buffalo has, I mean, they've had some bad injuries on the defense, but still Kansas city is right this year to be taken over. I don't, I don't see the same thing in Kansas City. I think that the the Super Bowl win and the guys getting priced out, they have no weapons on offense. Mahomes is still Mahomes. But if Buffalo can't do it this year, I'll be willing to come back and possibly, possibly come to your side a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, look, I thought last year, and I said this uh, earlier, uh, I thought last year losing way they did in – I was going to call it Rich Stadium because I'm old – Uh, at home, in the snow, I think there's been a little bit of a hangover. And you know what? Uh, I ain't mad about it, but I I just don't buy – I buy Josh Allen to win a ton of games. Hey, they can win 15 games, whatever they want to win. But I don't – when it really comes into uh, – I don't think he's got it. I don't think he's got it. I don't – They call that tag analysis. They call that what? They call it hashtag analysis. <laughs> he doesn't have the. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't want to get in any more trouble than I get myself. Hey, next time, pay for your freaking internet so I can have a whole segment with you. No, I think you somehow you knew I was going to disagree with you. So you, you,
2: you paid the cable company to cut my internet so that I'd be all choppy. And then you would
0: come from a position of power. This is all you. Well, that's why they say if you're arguing with the host, never call into the show (laughs) because you know that. You know, like, hey, I used to tell my producer, "Ah, just hit the dump button, Ah, just hit the mute button and let me talk for a while. You know how that goes. Hey, come back. Come back, Stella. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Cheers. Dan, I was your producer for a little while when you filled in for Darian Mel. I know all about
2: bringing the volume down on the other guy.
0: I know all about your (laughs) truth. I know. I know.
2: Ah, Get him out of here.
0: Who wants to hear that guy? Thanks, Danny Z. Danny Z is a legend because he does argue with me. That's why I like having Ryan Burr on, Jason Hammer, Danny Z. Look, I know I'm right all the time. It's just nice when people show their ignorance by trying to argue with me. Hey, my friend Trey Wallace is next. I got some college football. Did you happen to see what Shador Sanders did up 29 at halftime of a game? Against Stanford, but you capesta, my eyes are burning. We'll be right back.
2: Are you looking for the hottest sportsbook offers at Outkick? Find exclusive promos, expert picks,
0: and the latest odds. Get in the game at Outkick.com/bet. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on "Don't At Me" across the Outkick Network. Hey, welcome back. Uh, News of the day. I don't know that this is really any breaking news, but Urban Meyer has ruled out coaching Michigan State fans and the the idiots that follow that awful, god-awful, ridiculous, horrendous truck stop of a school were all excited, thinking that Urban was going to come to East Lansing. What did I tell you? There's not a chance in holy hell he is going to leave Sarasota to go to that truck stop. Look, East Lansing and Michigan State. They're a fan base that yells hate. I remember when they, 12,000 people yelling, we hate Dockage. And they thought it was cool. And Izzo was dumb enough, even though I love Izzo, to talk about it and not condemn it. Michigan State is the school of Mel Tucker, is the school of Larry Nassar, is the school of media cover-ups. Michigan State consistently has problems. Michigan State can't get out of their own way. They, ladies and gentlemen, just had a professor that was running a meth lab down in Texas. And students are like, how did he get past any kind of vetting process? Well, there's no chance Urban Meyer is going to go there. I (laughs) went to Indiana. I don't care what you call Indiana. There's no chance Urban Meyer's going to Indiana. You can tell me in Indiana is a cesspool of liberal stupidity, and I'd agree with you. I don't get offended when you talk about my school. I don't get offended when you talk about the basketball program in Indiana. Basketball program in Indiana stinks. The fan base of Indiana is accepting of mediocrity. There's nothing I can do about it. Hey, look, I fight it. I stand up against it. But, hey, we got 87,000 different blogger boys that tell fans differently, and these guys don't know their ass from third base. So Urban Meyer in the top story, ladies and gentlemen, is not going back into coaching. But I have other stories. You want to know why someone goes and plays with in live golf? Do you want to know? T- hey, guys, can you turn off – a, a uh, Nick, can you turn off you guys in here? I'm hearing you guys talking. You're killing me. I'm not that smart. Anyway, uh, Taylor Gooch. Do you know who Taylor Gooch is? Do you even know how to spell Taylor? T-A-L-O-R, Gooch. Listen to this. He won the Live Golf season-long title. All right? Now, let me tell you what that's worth – based on what Taylor Gooch made previously. Taylor Gooch in 123 starts on the PGA Tour made less than what he made this year by winning the season long title. He made $18 million this year for winning the season long title. That's on top of the millions that he made for going from the PGA Tour to the Live Tour. Money talks, B.S. walks. Now, that ain't bad dough. Now, that's not NBA dough. Remember, just remember, all right? Remember, NBA guy who nobody really knows who he is, Jalen Brown, making $60 million a year on a new five-year, $300 million-plus contract. A dad, what? Let's go watch Jalen Brown play. You know what I mean? Let's go see what Jalen Brown is up to tonight. The dad. Who? Huh? Jalen Brown? Okay. Uh, You want to go to a game, we'll go to a game, but you're going to have to tell me who Jalen Brown is. Uh, Speaking of this, Clay Thompson should be paid triple what Jalen Brown is being paid. Now, I don't mean that honestly. I don't mean that sincerely. He shouldn't make $180 million. But I got to tell you, Clay Thompson's a bad boy. Clay Thompson and Steph Curry are the most fun, maybe the only fun thing that the NBA has. I guess Victor Webanyama is going to be fun because he's going to do step-throughs and dunk on people from, like, the free-throw line, and that'll be fun. But we got to listen to this 18- to 19-year-old, and who the hell wants to listen to an 18- to 19-20-year-old NBA-entitled little guy? Certainly not me at my age. But Clay Thompson, I watch. Steph Curry, I watch. And Golden State should pay. There have been talks about, well... They can win without Klay Thompson. Yeah, how'd that work out when he was hurt? Not very well. If I'm the Golden State Warriors, I'm opening the bank. I'm opening the checkbook. I'm getting the vault. Whatever it is I got to do, because I cannot find this very often, and all you got to do is look at the Chicago Bulls post Michael Jordan to understand, hey, look, don't F with winning. Don't F with winning. You can say fool if you would like. I would put another four-letter term in there. Don't F with winning. Look at my Indianapolis Colts. They got rid of Ryan Grigson because he was too mean. He was a meanie. And they kept Chuck Pagano because Chuck Strong, Chuck beat leukemia, which was great. But then it became Chuck Strong. We're all Chuck Strong. Then it became we're all Chuck Stay. Chuck can't leave us. We had the little girl broadcasters on our Fox station reading the news saying, Chuck Strong. Yay, Chuck. Chuck Strong. Chuck Stay. Chuck, we can't lose him. My ass, you can't lose him. You should have lost him before you hired him. You should have booted him when you brought in uh, Bruce Arians and everybody in the building knew. But Jimmy Ursay was smarter. He effed with winning. He brought in this guy, Ballard. Ballard in his career has never been over 500 for his record, not season record, his record, never. Started with a loss, kept losing, won one year, 10 and 6, whatever, and then that's it. You don't F with losing. How have the Chicago Bulls done post Michael Jordan? Not very good. Uh, I am Vietnamese Vietnamese, Vietnamese against Dame Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now, I'm not against the Greek freak. Not at all. I think the Greek freak is really good. And I kind of like him. He seems like a good dude. But I'm tired of Damian Lillard, a.k.a. Dame. Oh, man. Dame. Dame never lifted Portland out of nothing other than the cesspool of liberalism that it is. Did Portland have Chaz or was that Seattle? I don't know. Dame was loyal until Dame wasn't loyal. And all right, what are you going to do? But here I'm reading. Lillard and Giannis show flashes of greatness in preseason. Really? I've never been this much open... In the last five to seven years, Giannis said of his experience playing with Lillard for the first time. Yeah, I've never been this open, and I've never seen anyone double teamed from the first possession of the game. All right. Okay. Good to know. Lillard will get hurt. Lillard will start whining. Lillard will start shooting. And unless I miss my guess, This will all head south. What do you want me to tell you? I don't know what to tell you, but it will. NBA's a long season. NBA's a really long season. And the problem with the NBA is that once the NBA starts, you got to listen to the NBA. You got to listen to the players, morons. You got to listen to the NBA media. Morons. NBA media is dying, dying to be on the scene. They want to go to the clubs. They want to go to all the clubs. I want to go to the club with Dame. Oh, man, Harden's having a set, yo. I got to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite stories. Listen to this. Japan Airlines lays on extra plane after sumo wrestlers make the aircraft too heavy to fly. Yeah. Yeah. Look, if you're going to be a fat ass and we're going to have magazines that tell us that fat is good, no, it ain't. The only time fat is good is if, well, you're a sumo wrestler. That's it. And you're, and you're, you know, you got the, 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 the rosin and you're blowing up your titties and you're grabbing your belly and you're smacking your ass and, you know, you're getting ready in that diaper to go hit somebody. But a Japanese airline was forced to lay on an extra flight at short notice after concluding that two of its planes were at risk of exceeding their weight limit. This had nothing to do with baggage. However... The passenger list was a bunch of sumo wrestlers. Japan Airlines took the very unusual step of transferring a number of sumo wrestlers to a hastily arranged special flight last week over concerns that the two aircrafts that were originally due to fly would be unable to sufficiently fuel due to weight restrictions. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, Concern over fuel capacity emerged when the staff learned on Thursday that the passenger list, including two of these beautiful fatties, whom they estimated weighed an average of 120 kilograms. Nah, that's got to be like 400 bills. Yeah. Yeah, and you know who's happier than anybody? The person that had to sit next to these sweaty beasts, these beautiful sweaty men of sumo. You know, there is a picture And just so you know, uh, there's a picture, and they're all handling, handy, hand, no, they're not. They're all wearing their diaper with their sweater, their robe, their flag on their right, left thigh, excuse me. And I got to tell you, there's enough cottage cheese on those legs to feed a village. Holy cow, but good for the sumos. I ain't mad at you. And Japan Airlines, as a normal, somewhat normal-sized person, I thank you. Any airline that doesn't want me to sit next to some big fat slob, I'm all in on. But sumo wrestlers aren't big fat slobs, sumo wrestlers are the man. Hey, the 90s rock group Creed is all the rage. Yeah, they are. They're all the rage and they're making a major, major, see what I'm doing here? Comeback. Major. Comeback. First in the Texas Rangers clubhouse, Major League. And now it's the Vikings locker room. And quarterback Kirk Cousins is the guy. He likes the 1999 hit higher. It's motivation for beating the Bears. Garrett Bradbury, in the locker room pregame, took a clip from the Rangers and made sure that Creed got played before we went out on the field, and I felt like it might have made a difference. Man said. Now he's getting all kind of popularity, Kirk Cousins is, because of that quarterback show. Everybody kind of likes him. And I got to tell you, I ain't mad at the new beard. It makes him look a little mysterious. The other way, he looked too white guy happy. This way, he's got a little mystery behind those eyes. I ain't mad at him. We started with higher this week. We didn't want to overstep our bounds. Just one, So just one higher. Next week, maybe we can see what we go to from there. Creed, ladies and gentlemen, Creed. Help the, well, Rangers, who are up two to nothing. This confuses me. I glad. Sometimes the best bets are one you didn't make. Walk with me here. The best bets are one you didn't make. And I was going to bet on the Astros, and I was going to bet on the Astros a lot to win. I was a lot. I was sitting there. Lee and I played pickleball. We went and got a sando after and a beer. I'm sitting at the uh, Fort Bend, which is an army base here, pub, and I'm talking to my new best friend. That's right. Kevin Cornelius, longtime NBA, or not NBA, 81 years old. He and I stunned my wife by going back and forth on every player that could possibly have played in the great state of Indiana, Chris Cornelius. Anyway, so Mr. Cornelius, as I called him, and I were going back and forth. I did not get my bet down on the Astros. I looked up, and it was four to nothing. Sometimes the best bets are the ones you do not make. And me not putting the scratch on the Astros was a damn good bet, period. Period. Mike Wilbon, not happy. The dorkiest of dorks, Mark Wil- Mike Wilbon, is unhappy with Brooklyn Nets fans. Now, Mike Wilbon says this. We need and he also included the WNBA Liberty. Anyway, uh we need rabbit. Phillies like Crowd in Brooklyn. Oh, wait, they're barely awake in Brooklyn. It's the worst home court advantage, home court situation in terms of spirit in the entire NBA. All 30 teams, maybe Washington, and the entire WNBA, all whatever it is, 12 teams, it's the worst, Will Bond said, about not Liberty fans. He more said that about Nets fans. It's the worst. There's nothing to rally the – oh, yeah, he does talk about Liberty. Brooklyn's home court situation, it stinks. It's dark. It's quiet. It's like a library. You hipsters better get a real arena cuz you stink right now. I agree. You know, follow me here. There are some arenas that when you see them on TV, they make you want to watch the game. Assembly halls like that Cameron Indoor is like that. There are two arenas in the NBA that make me not want to watch. One is Brooklyn, and one is Los Angeles. They stinks. Uh, Bulls, Chicago Stadium, United Center, Jordan Arena, whatever the hell it's called, I want to watch. I do. Pacers, GameBridge. I want to watch. And I will tell you this. I'll tell you this point blank. My wife and I went to one Pacer game last year and had a blast. Not kind of a blast, had a blast. An absolute knockdown, drag out, ball of fun. She comes out of there going, man, that was fun. Pacers lost, don't even remember who they played. But I gotta tell you, the crowd in Indianapolis is awesome for pacer games. The crowd's terrific. And I agree with Wilbon. I do. I agree with Wilbon. I think Wilbon is absolutely right. Absolutely right. When I watch my – it's like this. A Houston basketball used to have the worst. Purdue used to be awful. It was dark, but they did something about it. They realize now when I see Purdue on TV, my inclination is to watch because it's a fantastic arena that shows up on television. I got to ask the YouTube chat. I got to ask. Gritty and Jan Tudor and Jason Cox and Rule and Big Daddy, Sean Black, Big Bill Defoe, Jim R, Leonard. Where's your favorite or least favorite arena to watch a game on TV? Mine's Assembly Hall. I think Assembly Hall in Indiana show's great. All right. I'm going to get into a top five here, but I got to talk about this because I love it. I absolutely love it. Calvin Booth was a really good player at uh, Penn State. Calvin Booth has been a really good GM with the Nuggets. Calvin Booth, a really good dude, kind of a big guy, under-recruited, became an NBA player and a real force in the Big Ten back in the day. He cut a kid, traded this guy named Bones Highland. Bones Highland got traded from the Nuggets to the Clippers. I knew you couldn't have two guys that couldn't guard. And we couldn't have two guys that were young and kind of me guys. Mike makes $30 He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. So, Bones, there's no place for you. Yeah, Bones, get your shit straight. Bones, you're a me guy. Bones, no one's ever heard of you. Now, I would say this, Bones, you doing you got you to the NBA. You doing you got you riches. So it's always a question, a, a conundrum, really. Which way do you go? Do you acquiesce to a team, or do you continue doing what got you there? I honestly don't know. Outkick loves Gamble P- Pavilion, Yukon. Sean Black loves Rupp Arena when it comes on TV. Jim R. says Chicago Stadium. Duke, Cameron Indoor, Sean Black. Jason Cox says Assembly Hall for sure. Sean also says North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Jan Tudor says this. My favorite is Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden used to be a favorite of mine, but then they changed it. All right, dynamic duos. I asked a YouTube chat. Sean Black, Gritty, et al. Let me ask you, Jan Tudor. Your top five dynamic duos. Number five, ladies and gentlemen, number five. This is NBA history. Now, Shaq and Kobe. Number five. Now, look, Kobe won without Shaq. He did. Kobe won three with Shaq. He did. Fantastic dynamic duo. You could argue they both uh, combined, and then Paul Gasol brought basketball back to L.A. Basketball in L.A. was uh, after showtime. Basketball in L.A. was yay-rah once they got Kobe. Probably should put these guys a little higher But you know what? I'm the only human being alive, seemingly, that even questions Kobe Bryant and the rape accusations. I don't know why, but I am. John Stockton and Karl Malone, when Karl Malone ended, he was the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. When John Stockton ended, he was the all-time leading scorer or leading assist guy in the NBA. That's pretty damn good. Now, Karl Malone has showed himself to be arguably one of the worst people ever in the NBA, if you really dig deep, Karl Malone gets a pass. Now, I know people that played in Utah, I know people that coached in Utah, they love Karl Malone. Everybody loves Karl Malone, that's why apparently Karl Malone gets passes for doing absolutely horrendous things. But hey, who am I to judge? You all still tell me Kobe Bryant is a girl dad, even after what he did to somebody's daughter. Just say it. not great. Anyway, Malone and Stockton was iconic. Problem Malone and Stockton had was, uh, like most, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Michael Jeffrey Jordan broke a lot of hearts. Michael Jeffrey Jordan broke some souls. And frankly, Utah just could not get past them. That simple. Bird and McHale. Now, you're going to say to me, Bird and McHale? better than Kareem and Magic, I'm going to say no. I'm going to emphatically say no. I'm going to say A-N-F-W. Absolutely no way. Bird and McHale were awesome. Now, if you want to go threesome, Bird, McHale, and Parrish, hard to beat. You'd have to add Rodman to Jordan and Pippen. But I do think That in the history, my history, of the NBA, Bird and McHale are perfectly set at third. Ahead of Stockton and Malone. Ahead of Kobe and Shaq. But not ahead of my number two, which is Kareem and Magic. I always said, and it's blasphemy in the great state of Indiana. It is. I'm sorry. It's blasphemy. I always said that Magic was better than Bird. Aesthetically, Magic was way better than Bird. Uh, for white guys, it was always Bird. Larry Bird, man, he showed them guys. Now, nah, for me, it was always Magic. Look, I feel like every time they play, Magic is the better player, and Magic teams win. Now, 84, the end of winning times, that really good show on HBO, ended with Bird beating Magic. That show should not have ended that way, because that's ultimately not history. Magic won more than Bird. We're counting titles, not wins. Simple. Number one, very simple. Very simple. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Now, Scottie Pippen had a book to promote, so he started taking shots at Michael Jordan. Scottie Pippen was petulant. Scottie Pippen sat when Kukos hit the shot because his feelings got hurt. Scottie Pippen won enough without Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan won enough without Scottie Pippen, but they didn't win what they won together, not even close. A six, two three-peats is a standard for modern basketball. Yes, I know Bill Russell won like nine in 11 years, but there were like six teams in the league, and only one of the GM's owners, Red Auerbach, actually cared. The other guys didn't know what they were doing, pieced it together as businessmen, so I kind of take that out. I don't disparage the players because the players could ball, but I disparage the, what's the right word? The competitive balance in the league at that time. So in my world, two three-peats, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, that's the gold standard. It is. That's the gold standard. And I don't think we can debate that. It'd be nice if we could, but if you were gonna, I guess the one debate that I would make, I think I would have to put in Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Maybe, maybe in place. Uh, Stockton and Malone. Maybe. A lot of people think Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider. If I was going to ask you, who, ladies and gentlemen, are your dynamic duo of comedy? Who? I would say Andrew Dice Clay and Chris Rock. That's my, that would be it for me. I like filth. I like a comedian like Andrew Dice Clay that's so irreverent, it makes you go, huh? Even going back to when I was a kid, when Don Rickles was on The Tonight Show, I stayed up because I wanted to hear him, see him make fun of everybody. Hey, Trey Wallace, America's greatest college football reporter, writer joins me next. Stay right here. We're going to talk some foots, and it ain't going to be good when we talk about Indiana. We'll be back in a minute. Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers
2: at Outkick? Find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get
0: in the game at
2: Outkick.com backslash bet.
0: We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Two years ago, my wife, my daughter, myself, drove down to Tuscaloosa, courtesy of our friend Greg McElroy, and we had the time of our life. It was Alabama, the cigar game, at home against Tennessee. My friend Trey Wallace is going to be there I don't know, two top 15 teams. I think Alabama's found a little bit of something, something. Maybe Tennessee has. A couple years ago when I was there, it was a route late. What are you expecting?
1: What's going on, my friend? What's up, brother? Um, Man, I just – this game is – it's full of defense. And you know what? I wouldn't have said that uh, two years ago. But we are at a point where – We've got both teams now that are, you know, in my opinion, playing some of the best defense in in, in college football. And, and, you know, what's this going to come down to this weekend? It's probably going to come down to about 10 sacks between both quarterbacks. Some good barbecue down there in Tuscaloosa. A lot of cigar smoke that's going to be blown in the air after the game. Either way, whichever team wins. And it's just going to be some really good college football in my opinion. I'm looking forward to it. And uh you know, two two big matchups this weekend. One going on in Columbus, Ohio, and uh the other one going on in Tuscaloosa, Alabama.
0: Well, well let me ask you this. Do you think I'm right when I say that Aub- or Alabama after a loss and then a struggle kind of found themselves and is that mostly uh or 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 were there flaws because they, they tried to give one away last weekend. I've been all in on Alabama since. What do you say about
1: them? You know, I don't I don't disagree with you. Like I, I they have found different ways to to move the football. It feels like th- this team is is gritty, you know, can it can grind it out like last weekend that we saw against Arkansas. I think, look, it, I don't know if it was the Texas game that was a wake up call, Dan, that loss. I think it was them going to South Florida and Tampa. And you know, I don't want to say barely pulling out that game, but struggling with a, a USF team that, you know, in my opinion, is not on their level. Um, and and so when you face adversity like that, it brings out something to the team. And the other big thing is, you know, Nick Saban he got tired of the uh, the quarterback carousel. He knew who his guy was in Jalen Milrow, and he stuck with him. And and, and I don't think you're going to see a change. And I and I do think. You know, Alabama is a different team. You know, I know they've had some close wins, but this is not, Dan, the Alabama with Bryce Young or Tua or Jalen Hurts. This is a different type of football team. You know what? They're figuring out ways to win. And, And that's what Saban loves. Saban's enjoying this. I was speaking with somebody yesterday at Alabama. They are enjoying the coaching staff Nick Saban is because they don't really know. They know what to expect in a sense, but they're, it's it's like he said, every year is a new coaching job for him. So the fact that he's got a team and he's trying to figure out what to do, that's a challenge for the guy, and he loves doing it. So I, I don't blame him. I think it's kind of uh, not, a, not a reincarnation of, of Nick Saban, but I do think this might be one of his better coaching jobs that he's done since he's been at Alabama. Do you do you think speaking of the SEC, this
0: Brock Bowers, who may be the best player in college football, him being out four to six, how big is this for Georgia?
1: Massive, Dan, massive. I mean, you're you're, you're talking about a guy that was catching, you know, thirty percent of the passes from Carson Beck, the starting quarterback. And look, Brock Bowers is one of the best players in college football. He is going to be, in my opinion, and I've talked to a couple NFL scouts about this and folks in the league, you know, he can end up being a top 10 pick, top 20 pick. I mean, this guy, the position that he plays in that tight end spot, he's able to be moved around. Dan, you've watched him play. I mean, the guy could line up at the wide receiver spot and go down the field. So, what I'm getting at is it's, it's a loss. And, and when you do the Tua tightrope surgery, like I have covered so many players that have now done this surgery where they go in and they stabilize the ankle. And, and, and Tua, you know, it, it all started with Tua, you know, years ago with Alabama and he sprained his ankle and they had to get him back as soon as possible. He decided to go this route. It did cut down on the time that he was out, but my biggest thing with Brock Bowers is, do you risk? You're already going to be out probably 5 weeks. They say 3 to 6 weeks unless this guy is a genetic freak, you know, he would come back in 3. Do you risk your your chances of re-injuring that ankle before the, you know, the NFL process begins? That's something that stands out to me. That that's the biggest thing. Like I, I he's won two consecutive national championships at Georgia. What else does the young man have to give? So I look at this situation and knowing, you know, the return time on some of these players and and you know some of the players have re injured their ankles. You know, is it worth it? Is it worth having to go through all the NFL stuff with a bummed out ankle? I don't know, but I will say this. There are a number of games left on Georgia's schedule that without Brock Bowers, I start to feel nervous that Georgia's going to drop one. Would it be to Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin and that offense? Would it be to Missouri who's playing a lot better football right now? Who just beat up on Kentucky to play, play a really good football. Or would it be in Knoxville when they come and play Tennessee? What about Florida? I'm just saying, there are avenues here, Dan, where this thing could go south for that offense because, as you know, the quarterback doesn't have his savior on the field, the guy he can go to the nose, he's gonna pick up five, 10, 15, 20 yards or down the field. So, you know, it's like it's like losing your 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 shooting guard out of your out of your starting five. You know, if you don't have that guy, you're gonna have some problems scoring points. So I'm interested to see what Georgia does. They got a week off, but, uh, the world's largest cocktail party is next week against Florida should make for some interesting football.
0: Hey, let me go this route with you. I, I, you know, I watched Michigan, Michigan just ripped off 52 straight against my beloved Indiana Hoosiers. And <laughs> I was watching it with a couple of guys, you know, that we're, we expect it. Uh, <laughs> uh I was watching with a couple guys that bet no college football, you know, and I always say gamblers know a lot more than they want to let on. And they're like, I'm like, man, Michigan's damn good. And I'd watched them the week before. And they're like, look, I haven't played anybody. They haven't really, you know, the big 10, I guess, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, those three. But when you're one of those three, you're not playing anybody because Iowa's abysmal. Wisconsin's terrible. Indiana, Illinois, I can go on and on. Rutgers, Purdue, they all stink. I like Michigan, I think
1: Michigan is an absolute national championship contender. Where are you at with Michigan? I am waiting for when Michigan gets popped in the mouth and I want to see them respond. And I'm not talking about against, no offense, Indiana or Purdue or Illinois, anything on the lines. I wanna see how they respond against a Penn State or an Ohio State. I agree, the schedule has been abysmal but I do think this team is very talented. I think they are a national championship winning football team. Uh, my biggest concern is, can they finally finish the job, man? They've been in the playoffs last two years. They got destroyed by Georgia in the Orange Bowl two years ago. They got beat by TCU last year in the Fiesta Bowl. Can this football team actually get over the hump? You know, Take care of Ohio State at the end, win a big 10 championship, but then get past the damn first round of the playoffs and go play for a national championship. That's the biggest thing to me. And, and, and if, and if they don't, is this the last season for Jim Harbaugh, of Michigan, you know, how many times can you get that close and come up short? There's just a lot going on with Michigan right now. And, and I love the football team. I love it. But as you said, I'm very interested to see how this team responds when they get down 10 to nothing, when they struggle, when they're fighting against guys in the trenches that are just as big as they are, and they know they're going to have to battle for fourth quarters. You're right, Dan. The, the schedule's been bad. Let's see how they respond in a few weeks when they finally play some tough competition. Yeah, I don't
0: know that I've ever seen the Big Ten. Like, you know, I know back in the day it was the Big Two, Little Eight, all that kind of stuff, but I I don't know where, you know, in the in the in this century where I've seen the Big Ten have so many mediocre to bad teams. I mean, you know, Iowa's got a winning record, but if you watch any of that Iowa Wisconsin game and then you watch Washington, Oregon at the same time, it was a different sport.
1: Dan, Iowa Iowa had, Iowa had one offensive touchdown, man. They they won 15 to six. Come on. I mean, that's just – I don't know how you do it. I guess if you grow up in the area, I guess you get used to Iowa. And and scoring 10 to 15 points. But that was – bro, that was bad. And then, yeah, like you said, you flip on on the other channel and Michael Penix and Bo (laughs) Nix are trading touchdowns and it's – we're going to overtime – and I got, you know, I got darn Iowa out here with an offensive coordinator that's got to average 25 points a game to keep his job. It's just, it's a train wreck. And, and the only thing I'll give Iowa credit for, uh, I know that they only have one loss in the season, but the only thing I will give Iowa University credit for is what they did on Sunday when they packed in 55,000 people to watch a women's exhibition basketball game.
0: I'll give them two things. I'll give them that, and I love the wave to the kids up in the hospital. So I'll, I'll give them, I'll give Can't them two bad. things.
1: Those are good things.
0: And that, yeah, that right. is <laughs>
1: the, That's one of the coolest traditions uh, that they yeah. have done in college football. I give that. That is amazing. Yeah, uh, never been a part of yeah. it. Yeah, it is something neat. But other than that, brother, that's a shoot, man. You'd have to pay me to sit down and watch that for four quarters. And they do. I
0: always said this. Hey, Trey, I always said this, you know, you, and maybe it's changed now, I don't know, but you wake up, college football Saturday, you do your stuff. You know, for me, about 11 o'clock, 11.15, 11. I started watching game day or now big noon football. And then, you know, that kind of gets you ready. And then the noon Big Ten game would come on and you're like, we're live from Memorial Stadium, The Rock in Indiana for Illinois, Indiana. And you're like, All right, I either got to go outside or change. However, Trey, however, the noon game this week is Penn State at Ohio State. Now we're talking – now we're serious about football.
1: Now we've got ourselves something to look forward to straight up at 12 o'clock and we don't have to wait seven hours for the the big game out of the Big Ten. Um, I I agree with you. Now – we're getting to that gritty part of the schedule, there, Dan. Well, you know, where big noon kickoff doesn't have to sell some, you know, patsy game, you know, to get everybody excited. This, this is going to be it. Like this is Ohio State, Penn State, going to be a lot of fun, man. Going to go back and forth. Drew Aller, a quarterback for Penn State, Kyle McCord, Ohio State. My biggest thing is. Penn State's got the guys this year to beat Ohio State. Ohio State's missing a couple running backs. I don't know if they're going to play this weekend or not. Kind of questionable. Is this the game where Penn State and James Franklin, who's 1-8 and against the Buckeyes, finally gets over the hump? I think, that. look, Saturday could be monumental for for the Nittany Lions making a run towards the playoffs, or or they're going to go in there and they're going to fumble the bag. Ohio State's gonna grab the win, and then we're just on a collision course for Michigan, Ohio State. So I I it's a it's a massive game. They don't have to pump anything up. It's already there. I just feel, you know, we unfortunately for these TV contracts, man, sometimes they get stuck with these crappy games right at noon. There's nothing they can do to get out of it. So you know, with 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 the way we're going in college football right now, more college football games on CBS and Fox and ESPN, maybe we can, you know, help you out, Dan, where you don't have to sit through some sleeper game and get a three-hour nap before you get ready for the real ones, right? Yeah, you
0: know, I I, I will tell you this, though. It's either, I, you know what, it's either NyQuil Or it's Indiana Rutgers, which I got this weekend, where my daughter is coming to town and I got to go to the game. Like, that ruins a college football Saturday, having to go to the IU-Rutgers
1: game. Dan, how did you not already come up with something to get out of that, bro? That is – you better have some 5G or some good Wi-Fi for you to sit on your phone (laughs) and watch that other game because that is – atrocious. I feel for you having to sit through that nonsense. I mean, I, I get it, but at least family's important to you because it wouldn't be that important to me. Well, as I told
0: my daughter, nothing shows a father's love more than me going down on a Saturday through bad, bad construction on the road. It's been there for 10 years from Indianapolis to Bloomington. Ah. Oh, Last time we went, it took us two and a half hours to go 45 miles, and honest to God, honest to
1: God. I can't wait wait for you to send me a text message on Saturday when it's like 6 to 3 in that football game, and you're asking for updates. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, you know what? You dug yourself that hole, you got to get out of it, brother. Yeah,
0: I'm in it. I will be deep in it. Last thing, who's a favorite right now to win the title? Who's
1: a favorite? Georgia? Georgia. Ooh, I mean, uh, uh, you could say Georgia, but, man, I'm going to throw one out there for you. I'm going to go Florida State or Washington. I'm going to go one of these two teams. I love what Washington's yeah. doing. And I, I think Florida State's going to get a little tested this weekend against Duke. We'll see if their starting quarterback can go. But, I, I, you know, I'm going to go outside the norm here. I, I don't want to go Michigan right now. I, I want to see how they look. But I like Washington and Michael Phoenix Jr. throwing that football around. I like Florida State and Jordan Travis. Let's see if they can both get through the rest of the season undefeated. I'd love to see that playoff matchup.
0: Yeah, I gotta tell you, I watched some Florida State. They're damn good, man. There they are. And I I thought Florida State was gonna be, you know, they used to call it Clemsoning, that kind of thing, lose a big game. If they lose, someone's gonna have to play their ass off because that team can ball Florida State. Oh
1: and they got themselves a quarterback and Jordan Travis who was really 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 good and 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 look there's not many teams in the ACC that can keep up with Florida State so they'll get a little test Saturday night Duke's hot this year under Mike Elko but I do think that this is this is lining up for Florida State in the playoffs and I can only hope that we get a match up with something like Oregon or Washington something like that in the semifinals, that would just make my day. So, got ourselves a great weekend of college football ahead. Besides you, my brother.
0: All right, my friend. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on. Have a great week. Uh, I just got a text. YouTube. I just got a text from Gritty. Are you going to tailgate Saturday? I, I'm up in the air right now, Gritty. I my daughter told me to get the bus, and we were going to take our bus down. And then I was told we're not taking the bus. I don't know if Big Fat Bob is taking the bus. Uh, Gritty, I I don't know. I'm going to get this all sorted out. It's going to be 11 o'clock Eastern time when I am off uh, this program. I got to plug this in. And at 1110, I'm going to be on the phone with my daughter getting directions on what my weekend is going to be. It is. I'm I'm sorry. It it is. Uh, An open plea to Indiana University Twitter. Don't interact with me. Some little girl on Twitter said we should not interact with Dan Dokich on Twitter. Please, God, please don't interact with me. Please do me a favor. Indiana University basketball Twitter. Even the mommies and daddies of Indiana basketball, the Chris Guns whose kid didn't hardly play last year. All the mommies and daddies, just shut up on Twitter. Leave me alone on Twitter. Go away on Twitter. All you fans, go the hell away on Twitter. Don't interact with me because it only shows how stupid you are. How about that? We shouldn't interact with Donkitsch on Twitter. Okay. All right. Good. Like, don't do me that kind of favor. Well, if we didn't interact with him, nobody would. Try it. Try try it. Try it. Take a swing. Try it. Try. Do me a favor. Try not interacting with me. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you idiots of Indiana University basketball Twitter. I'm just telling you. Please. Guy says, Dan Dockett searches his name to talk smack for clicks but makes fun of players for building their brand. You literally cannot make this up. Yeah, you're right. You got it. You're absolutely right. Don't do it. You're right. That's the same thing. Jesus, please, God, don't do it. Do not engage in the Dockett segment of this fan base. Please don't. Please, God, don't. Please. Please. Don't. Ever. Please. So I don't know. I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out whether or not I'm going down there. Dockage keeps bashing IU basketball. Would be nice to hear what he would actually do. All right, here's what I would do. Demand players play for one another and for the history of IU basketball instead of their brand. Other schools may play for their brand. Indiana basketball should not. Indiana basketball should be different. You want to have a brand? Great. But the brand, as I'm going to say here, demand players put away childish things that distract. Hey, if Duke or Kentucky or any of those schools wants to do TikToks, they've won. Duke has won. Kentucky has won. Carolina has won. Connecticut has won. Villanova has won. If they want to do TikToks, if they want to dance around naked and be a vibe, that's what we got in Indiana. Trey Galloway's a vibe. What the hell's a vibe? How about Trey Galloway's an All-American? Jeez. People say, well, other schools do it. I don't care about other schools. Other schools have won. Indiana's 23 years 23 years of crap except for 2,000. 2,000. Honest to God, 2,000. I've said this for years. I, 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 I've I said this for years and years and years, and the first thing is from IU Guy. I remember how great a coach Stockage was? Well, I did go 156 and 140. That's a 53% winning percentage with my three best players hurt five of the 10 years and two sevens. That's pretty good. Honest to God, honest to God, it's literally the way the world works. So please, and do me a favor, Nick, cut this part out and send it to me. Please, Indiana fans, I'm begging you, you're too stupid to interact with me on Twitter. Do yourself a favor. Just listen to the Blogger Boys and leave me out of your stupid Dumb conversations about brand and how other schools win and how one doesn't equate to the other. Please, as a God is my witness, I'm begging you, leave me out of your stupidity. You all are losers. You were losers before night got there. Night's gone. And guess what? You're losers again. And I'm here to help you. Stop it. Whew. Woke-a-dope, please. Send me that, will you? Woke-a-dope. Oh, man. (laughs) That's our hero. That's our hero as the Middle East explodes. I'm going to have a barbecue. Hey, look, Obama and the oligarchy will take care of it. Why do I got to take care of it? There's nothing I got to take care of it. As the Middle East explodes, weenies coming up. I wish you'd take one of those weenies and, you know, to yourself. Look at Jolton Joe. Jolton Joe out there at Rehoboth Beach. Where's he going to go now that it's getting cold in the Northeast? Where's Jolton Joe going to go? Camp David for a summit with Hunter, a couple hookers, a six-pack of bud, and some blow? Is that what we got going? Man. Man, oh, man. Huh. Uh, And by the way, my people are telling me, and we reported this way back, this was going to happen. Anthony Richardson's going to have surgery. That's what my people are telling me. I told you this a long time ago, as soon as I heard it was an AC joint, he was going to have to have surgery. He's going to be done for the year, and away we go. That's just another in the sad tale of Chris Ballard leading the world that is Colts football. Next! (laughs) Next! (laughs) Oh, man, what is the helmet even protecting at this point? What is it even protecting? What is it? Is it mush? I mean, seriously, the shades, the, the glasses, you know what? They hide the dimness of the eyes. They hide the, I don't know where the hell I am, somebody please tell me, of the eyes. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, that helmet is protecting nothing. If he fell on his head and he started talking all concussed and he started going, well, would anybody notice? Would anybody notice? Seriously, honest to God, honest to God, would anybody even have any idea at all that that brain dead clown, that man of the people, hit his head? Do we have one more or was that three? Next! <laughs> Oh, man, this is the perfect picture. Like, you all have that guy that talks. Like, I got buddies like that. They talk, or they'll talk about their kids and talk and talk, and you just sit there. That's what you do. But look at the face on Biden. Biden thinks that he just said something so deep, so tough, so smart, so historic. And Obama's like, oh, my God. Joe, I know we won. No, you helped us win, but you're not supposed to speak. And certainly, you're not supposed to have me around. I don't want to be around you when you're speaking. Hey, thanks to everybody. Gritty, I'll get back to you as soon as I find out. All of you all have a wonderful, wonderful day. The YouTube chat pumping, as always, an open plea to IU fans. Please, God, your level of stupidity is beyond anything that I thought I would ever hear from IU fans. Please, God. I'm just going to tell you. If I put it out on Twitter to bet it, bet it in this season, what do you guys call it this season? In this season, Double D is on fire. It's not every season, but right now I'm on a heater. I'm going to look, I'm going to ask my guy, I'm going to try to get and go to my Twitter and I'll try to have winners for you this evening. Because there's a lot of football on tonight, which is weird. All right, have a great afternoon, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.